0: Our lesson tonight will be our final one from the book of Malachi. As we have looked at several uh, major points that I wanted to uh, bring out from the book, we're going to be picking up in Malachi chapter 3, verse 13, working our way through uh, the end of the book there. Looking at what I've followed here, the final words for the wicked and the righteous. As we look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 14, 13 through chapter 4 and verse 6 and the song like brother Paul just read a moment ago really kind of fits in with the theme we find here and that is God calling the people back to him Uh, despite as we're going to find here despite the harsh words they they say some of the hurtful things they say and some of the things they have done God is still trying to bring them back and then also warn them about the coming uh, judgment so I thought that song fits uh, very well. Uh, But I want to show this evening what we can learn from the reminders that are provided for us here uh, in uh, Malachi. And we look at Malachi chapter 3, we begin our first major point. We're looking at the harsh words and a statement to the doubters. And the harsh words here don't come from God. They actually come from those who who have turned against Him. Beginning in Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Uh, you have their harsh words and their hateful words that's what i call it here verse 13. we read here yet he says your words have been harsh against me says the lord yet you say what have we spoken against you again we brought it out over the last few lessons that's a common thing what have we done to do this to make you feel like we've gone against you in what way have we done this and we find it yet again here in chapter three uh, here in verse 13. he says in verse 14 he says you have you have said It is useless to serve God what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts now those are some very harsh and strong words to say against God they say when it comes to serving God they say it's useless and it has no profit and it only brings mourning and no doubt sorrow is what they're implying here it's incredible that there are those today who would say this and mean every single word of it who doubt the reasoning behind following god and we'll see here verse 13 he says that these are harsh words and that they are speaking these things against him and their words are verse 14 notice again how they say this it is useless to serve god you know sometimes we say hear people say this before i know it's not a new saying but we say things like actions speak louder than words you know if i can count the number of times i'm not the only one here you say this if i had a nickel for every time someone said i'll see you sunday morning we all several of us be very very rich people right but how many times have you heard those words i'll see you sunday or i'll see you wednesday and we don't see them either time their actions seem to speak very clearly that is of no point to serve God now they may deny these things with their words their actions speak and say that there's no point in it the other things are simply more important in verse 14 that's exactly what they say you have said it is useless to serve God whether they say it word for word or they say it by their actions that's the charge God has has set against them what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance meaning what good has it done us well obedience brings salvation but they are overlooking that and that we have walked as mourners before the lord of hosts see they're painting the picture that when you're serving god faithfully and keeping his word that you're going to be sad and down and oppressed by everything else that's going on in this world and no doubt there are those around us and sometimes we too can get swept up in the idea that we're overly concerned about what's going on and we forget that christians have the greatest reason of all to be happy the best reason more than anyone else to be happy and that's because we serve a wonderful and powerful and loving God. They say the happy ones, as we find in verse 15, they say the happy ones are the proud. They say the ones who work wickedness and even those who tempt God are the ones who are happy. Verse 15 says, so now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness and are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. they saying that they did They're the ones who are happy. those who are doing whatever they want to do. They're proud, but yet they're blessed in the eyes of the world. They go against God, and yet nothing happens to them, or so it would seem, right? You know, those who lived during the days of Noah, those who lived during the times of Sodom and Gomorrah being destroyed, those who lived in their time of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who, who spoke against God, those who lived in that time period, those who lived in time period of Daniel, and those who lived in the time period of of the prophets, and this goes on and on. There are those who lived in every time period who thought they could get away with whatever they wanted, that God would not react to anything they did. The one thing that's mentioned numerous times in the Old Testament and the New Testament is that judgment is coming. And because judgment is coming, that no one then will escape God's punishment and God's wrath, for those who have spoken against him so even though there are those who appear to escape this world freely without punishment though many times that's not really the case but god will bring out right righteous and just punishment upon them on the judgment day when they stand before the judgment seat of christ the bible tells us that he will judge them based upon their works whether good or evil all things public or private and that they will not go free. We find that taught throughout Scripture. But yet they say quite a difference, quite differently here in verse 15. They obviously view happiness as something that only comes from selfish living and happiness even at the cost of others. He says, For well, those who do wickedness are raised up, they even tempt God and go free. Tempt God means they things against God. They tempt the anger and the wrath of God by their words and by their actions. know that others see that as well know that others can be led away be caught up in that same type of lifestyle but we notice in verse 16 and following not only did the lord hear the words of the wicked and see the actions of the wicked the lord also heard the words of the faithful the lord listened and heard the words of the faithful looking at verse 16 and following here in malachi chapter 3 then those who feared the lord spoke to one another And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. You think about that for a moment. There's several things that are very interesting to me there. The Lord hears what they're saying to one another. Those who fear the Lord spoke to one another, not directly to God, but to one another. And the Lord, the Bible says, the Lord listened and heard them. He knows their private conversations. In this case the Lord was not displeased, was he? He says So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. The Lord heard uh, heard and the faithful heard the faithful and a book of remembrance was written. This appears to be the same book as referenced in Revelation 20, verse 12 and verse 15, the one we call the Lamb's Book of Life. It's a reference as we know, the Bible tells us, books were opened and then also the, the book was opened, the Lamb's Book of Life, and here His name was not written therein, or not found therein, was cast in the lake of fire. And here a reference to what appears to be the very same book, but it only contains the names of the faithful. It doesn't contain the names of anyone else verse 17 they shall be mine says the Lord of hosts mine they're referencing they belong to him possession they belong to me on that on the day that I make them my jewels I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him there verse 17 and so they the faithful are spared they're spared the second death they're spared Undue wrath upon them because they are faithful to God. They are mine, he says. He calls them my jewels, verse 17. As a man spares his own son who serves him. The righteous are not brought into punishments with the wicked, instead they are spared, because again they belong to the Lord. In verse 18 notice here how the Lord makes a distinction between the righteous and the wicked he says then you shall again discern between between the righteous and the wicked between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him notice how plain and black and white the Bible makes that the one who serves him and the one who doesn't there's no there's no other area there he's able to tell the righteous those who serve him and the wicked those who do not serve him from one another God only sees the obedient and the disobedient, no other category exists or is mentioned in verse 18. The faithful, or as he says here, the righteous and the wicked. And to make even more clear, he says, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. Friends, there are those today in their brotherhood and those who claim to be a member of this congregation who will tell you they still serve God. The Bible would dare them to prove it, wouldn't it? Our our faith to God, our obedience to God must be more than just words. It must be a life that shows we are following him. That's why it's so important that we remember who is who is number one in our life. It is God, must always be God. As we move into chapter four, we look at some judgment and exhortation and finally becoming Messenger in Malachi chapter four, beginning in verse one, he begins here with judgment is coming. It's interesting that in chapter three you find those who say, "Well, no, they escaped scot-free; no one, nothing's going to happen to them." But chapter four begins with judgment. In verse one, the Bible says here: "For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble." And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now, you think about this for a moment. We find that judgment day is coming for the wicked, and one day for all of man. He says here in verse 1, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud. Burning like an oven is a reference to the intensity of God's wrath. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. If you have a field out there that's meant for hay and it's burned down to a stubble, you would say, well, it's not worth anything because you can't make hay out of stubble. No one wants to buy that. No one wants to buy the burnt remains of a field. And it says here that's what they're going to be brought down to, to stubble. It says, the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts that that will leave them neither root nor branch so the proud and the wicked will perish you notice he refers to them as the proud he refers to them as those who do wickedly and he refers to them those as those who will have neither root nor branch left behind meaning there's no sparing of the wicked his judgment will be poured out upon them And then we find in verses 2 through 4, as we find, it begins here with judgment is coming, but then he moves to an encouragement because it's not just the idea of preaching and teaching judgment is coming, but also it's exhortation or encouraging those to remain faithful to God. Look at Malachi chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. We find exhortation of those who fear him. And looking at verse 2 here in chapter 4, he says, but to, you, but to you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall fed calves. And it's an interesting way to describe what morality was referencing here Christ coming to heal those who reference and, re- reference and fear the name of, of the Lord. These will be redeemed by the salvation that he provides. They'll be like a calf full of of a healthy life and satisfied with everything that they need. The son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Now this is figurative. We understand when Christ came into the earth, he didn't come with wings. but He did come with a message of obedience to the gospel. And those who obeyed would indeed find healing. Some found it spiritually, some found it both spiritually and physically, as many were healed of their various diseases and and things which they had. But we find here in verse 2 that that Christ, when he comes, is going to be one who brings healing because of his teaching and because of what he'll be doing, which is following the will of God and carrying out the will of God on the earth. He would have healing as we find here is pictured as being in his wings look at verse three here about says you shall trample the wicked for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that i do this says the lord of hosts now this is a reference to the righteous you will have ultimate victory over the wicked <coughs> the righteous will have victory because the righteous get to go to be with god and christ in heaven while the wicked will have a much different destination that awaits them and this idea here, uh, how they will, be, they will trample the wicked, this is not to be literal, obviously, but the idea is they're going to be, uh, have victory over them. If you're trampling over someone or something, you have power over them, you have victory over them. You ever watch a sporting event and say, well, they're just walking all over the other team? They're not literally doing it. The idea is they're just having their way with them. They have victory over them. They have beat them soundly. And that's the idea we find here in verse 3 shall be as ashes under the soles of your feet on the day on the day that i do this says the lord of hosts and so the faithful have the victory verses two and three why because they have victory in christ looking at verse four of malachi chapter four remember the law of moses my servant which i commanded him in Horeb for all israel with the statutes and the judgments you have to remember this is the old testament time period; they are under the old law and so they are to remember the law of Moses, which means they are to be obedient to it. This law was given to all Israel in Mount Horeb. Horeb is either at the whole, is either the whole mountain of, of Sinai or a particular peak of the Sinai range. It, and the law had all kinds of statutes and judgments, that is decrees and laws, which they were to be obedient to. They were to remember the law of Moses, as he says, refers to him there as his servant. Remember implying they are to remember and to keep them. Not simply, oh, I remember that. No. Remember and obey it. Re- obey those commands. They were under the old law, the law of Moses there, and so they're commanded to remember and obey that. And then in verses 5 and 6, we have a reference to the coming messenger. In verses 5 and 6, Malachi chapter 4, the Bible says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming messenger of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the earth with a curse." Now this prophecy is a, is a reference to the coming of John the baptizer He came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, Luke chapter 1, verse 17. This will be before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And we, so it is before, we know John the baptizer came before Christ, preparing the way of the Lord we also find here in verse 6 he says and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children the hearts of the children to their fathers the idea of this returning is the idea that they have been turned against one another but now they're coming back together like a family coming back together he says "Last i come and strike the earth with a curse and so if families do not work together to establish godly homes and they have no alternative but to expect the lord to come and to uh, strike the earth or the land with a curse that is if we're not striving to have godly homes, we're not going to be, be able to have the blessings of God and experience the blessings of God as a family or as individuals. And who would bring that message, which we are to follow? We find it in the Old Testament, but for us today, we find it in the New Testament. We all want to get to heaven together. So we have this coming of, of, the, of the messenger of God, this reference to John the baptizer, coming the spirit and power of Elijah. There in verse 5, referencing again Luke chapter 1 and verse 17. Now, let's look at some particular lessons for us today. One of the things we ought to think about, if we think about some lessons for us today, is how the Lord heard the words of the righteous and of the rebellious, back in verses 13 and verse 16 of Malachi chapter 3. The Lord responded to both groups. With the rebellious, He responded with how they're going to be punished. How judgment day was coming and with the righteous how they're gonna be blessed by God if You go back to verse 16 how they're gonna be written in the, in the book of remembrance there in verse 16 only one group has hope and blessings from God the rebellious said it was useless to serve God remember back in verse 13 verse 14 rather it's useless to serve God but prophet is it that we have kept his ordinances well they don't have any blessings or hope from God but the righteous are mentioned in verse 16 those who fear the Lord those who uh, meditated on his name they have hope and blessings from God and our second lesson for us this evening is judgment is coming and preparedness is a necessity judgment is coming we see this in Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 And because something is coming, we have to be prepared for it. Here is the judgment day that we need to be prepared for. Judgment day is coming for the rebellious and for the righteous. Judgment day isn't a possibility. It is a certainty. Look at Malachi 4 verse 1, It says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. Judgment day is coming. Now we know for those during the time of Malachi, it could be coming upon them, particularly as a group. It could be referencing the end of t- the end of time, the great judgment day coming for all mankind. We know there are numerous judgments that come upon mankind in the Bible because of their disobedience. We also know there's one great day of judgment that's coming for all mankind as well, and we all must be prepared for that day. Only those who are living righteously will be prepared. We cannot be prepared if we're not living the way that's pleasing to God. You know, sometimes when we talk to people, those who are not faithful as they ought to be, and you ask them if they're prepared for the judgment day, sometimes you're kind of accused of trying to scare people. But friends, judgment day can be a scary thing for those who are unfaithful. It should be a scary thing. When we decide willfully not to be faithful to God, not to be loyal to him, one of the best ways to realize that is to ask ourselves if we are preparing for the judgment day. As we close this evening, we want to ask ourselves some questions. One is, are you guilty of doubting why one should be loyal to God? If we find back in verse 13 of chapter 3. Hopefully we will not be those who, who believe and act as if, well, there's no reason to be loyal to God we do know today as i said before there are those who by their actions act as if what is the profit of it they take what they can get from from us as members and walk away leaving god without being loyal to him and the next question we have to ask yourself is are you prepared for the judgment day or unprepared like the wicked because the wicked are unprepared there's only two conditions on the judgment day prepared and unprepared, those who are pleasing to God and those who are not. You think about Malachi, like all the other minor prophets, sin was the problem, and like all the other minor prophets, God always had the answer. You think about today how many times we talk to individuals and we hear their words and it seems like they think they have it all under control. But friends, when Judgment Day comes, everything stops. Everything stops. Who we're friends with doesn't matter anymore. What is what we thought was most important in our lives doesn't matter anymore. What matters is who we're standing before and what He thinks of how we have lived before Him. You know, in the Gospel accounts, Christ gives the example of those who come before Him in the day of judgment and how some will claim they have done so many things on His behalf. And he'll tell them, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because they were doing wickedness. They were trying to do things to earn the way, ways in the heaven, and no doubt including those or those individuals who did nothing. And then there was a second group who came to him, who were loyal to God, who obeyed God's word, and they were granted entrance into the heavenly home. When we think about the judgment day, there's only two responses that Christ the judge will give one of acceptance or one of rejection you think about that for a second he only gives two replies one of acceptance and one of rejection how many times have we talked to people today about their spiritual life and they have a lot of answers or should we say they have a lot of excuses you know those things will not work on the day of judgment and if we're smart and we're aware, we realize sometimes those, those things they give, those reasons or excuses they give, are just that, they're excuses. We understand, we all should understand, at times we all have poor health, we all have things that happen that keep us away from time to time. But there should be nothing that keeps us away an extended period of time, nothing. So as you think about these things this evening, you think about Malachi, and like all the other minor prophets, there are a lot of warnings. Because on the judgment day, there's no more warning. There's no more prepare yourself. It is, okay, we're about to find out. Let's make sure that we are prepared for that day. This evening, we can help you or encourage you in way. We'd be glad to assist you. That's going to be Sam and singing the song that's been selected.